Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here, and uh, today is one of those very special days. I'm having a fireside chat with one of my good mates from uh, New South Wales, Ezio Mormile. How are you, Ezio? I'm very well, thanks, Darren. Good to reconnect. Been a while. <laughs> Mate, you and I have worked together for a number of years, and uh, we worked at a big organization, and you still work there. Um, I won't give the, the terminology away, but we'll give the initials. It's Telstra. <laughs> so... But that's not why we've got you on the podcast. Um, I know you're an avid uh, studier of human behavior and high performance, and I know you're working with a number of sporting teams. And in fact, if I get your title right, you are a mindset leadership and performance coach at Performing Teams, working with um, sporting teams and also some other organizations on unleashing their high performance. Yeah, that's right. So I've worked in... Uh, management and sales for probably 15, 20 years, which is so in, in that corporate world. And I still do a lot of work in that space and for corporates, which is really cool. I was always intrigued in how we make decisions. And uh, I started studying psychology about seven years ago at Charles Sturt. And then I came across some stuff around sports psychology. I thought, oh, that's really cool. So I, I actually did what we kind of teach and what you taught so well. And I prepared a meeting plan and I, I, I called the CEO of a sporting company, of an of a, uh, organisation, who I didn't know, and said, hey, you know, I've got this concept and bang, 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 I'd love to do some work with you guys. And then, um, yeah, from there it kind of went off. took a while, took a long time. And uh, so that was in soccer, football. So was that a cold call? Yeah, I planned it. I planned the call. I researched him on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I, I, targeted, I targeted that um, team for a reason because they were trying to get into the A-League. Yep. And uh, so I knew they would have some big aspirations and they would be looking for innovative ideas. So my pitch was that I could give them a program that effectively was, uh, my pitch was higher than A-League level because I do a lot of research around the US with sport and, and yep. Europe. Yeah. And um, yeah, so unfortunately they didn't get into the A-League, but I worked with them for a few years. I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then that from there I got into an A-League team um, that I worked with. And, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, fair income. So in the A-League, they, they have a midweek competition. I don't know if you yep. have that in AFL. Yeah. No. It's no. like an FA Cup. Well they, well, they used to back in the old days. You used to have the a old, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> well, this competition is a bit like the English FA Cup, and its beauty is that um, different tiers play each other and you, you can get to play the big teams and knockouts okay. and, and whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, the two teams I work with actually played each other, literally played each other yesterday. And, oh, and is that so, right? Very bizarre. So I had neutral colours on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was really intriguing because I know both teams quite well. But uh, anyway, so yeah, and, and the sports side for me is that, um, you know, it's high performance, it's high pressure. And, and what I love with the, the athletes and the sporting clubs is they are always looking for differentiators and they're, yeah. they're pretty open to new ideas that mm-hmm. they can apply. Um, everything's measurable. And so, yeah, it's been great. And they've, I've kind of, I've learned on the job, right? Because things change so quickly. Yeah. And, and what's really amazed me is how applicable it is to the corporate world, but also how it isn't. So there's some 
key overlaps and areas I think in the corporate world we can definitely learn. Yeah. Um, but then there are other areas that are very, very different and, and that's intriguing. Well, I think, it's, um, and what I'd love to do is, you know, this this podcast is geared around how do we help leaders, sales leaders in particular, become exceptional in what they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I've always had a voracious appetite about learning learning from different environments in terms of how can I take something from, uh, like the, a theatre company, for example, how do yeah. they do things yeah. differently that can apply, and maybe it's left of centre, that can yeah. apply to a sales team because... You and I have been brought up in a, I guess, the corporate, um, how do we, the corporate machine, for want of a better term, yeah. uh, where it's very, it's very regimented, it's very process focused, and as, and whilst a lot of organisations like to think they're innovative and they're creative and they're in the forefront of technology, um, when you look at the back end of a lot of organisations, it's quite archaic in terms of mm. how they go about things. So I'm really interested in exploring, I guess, your evolution, your. Um, uh, I guess your journey in terms of what you've learned out of working with these sporting organizations and touching on a couple of topics that could be applicable to a sales leader listening to this and yep. thinking about how can I take some lessons from elite sporting environments and apply this to my sales team to create an exceptional level of performance in my sales team? Because there's got to be similarities. And uh-huh. I know that this. <laughs> so I, I love, and I love the way you um, you approach that in the first place by just doing some planning, doing some stalking. I say that respectfully on LinkedIn <laughs> and uh, and reaching out. But um, as at a top level, before we delve into some specific topics, what's what's one or two key things you've learnt from working with these sporting organisations that you can now leverage in the work yeah. that you do with with corporates? Yeah, good question. So, firstly, there are massive, in particular, you mentioned sales. There are massive overlaps. Um, Everything is measured. In sales, you have your weekly target. Um, and in, in any sport, everything is clearly measured on the scoreboard. Uh, we also have, uh, have competitors. And that's why I, and I know yourself, always have a certain, certain level of empathy for sellers and sales managers. And, and, and I'm still a seller, as, as you are, and, yep. and I'm proud of that. But um, we are the only people in the organisation that competes. We win and lose, right? Finance doesn't, HR doesn't. Um, procurement does we win and lose and and so there's the emotional part as well which mm. the athletes get so everything is measured every uh, there are rules we've got to stick to the rules um everyone's got the same rules but they don't so in sport um some some clubs have much more money than others for example yeah. so yeah. there's beautiful synergies there around the emotion the pressure working for a team uh, you know with stakeholders probably the things that really struck me as I started getting more and more involved. So they, they work off things like values and all that. I'll get into that. But um, two big things that stick to my mind. Um, and, you know, you're always a great trainer and a great facilitator. Their philosophy on training is very different. So yeah. in, in the corporate world and sales, you know, we train 5% of the time. And, <laughs> and, and, and because we've been doing the job for a long time, we don't really have to train much. And when we turn up to train, um, it's a bit half-hearted. You know, we don't like the role plays. And, you know, I've done this for a long time. I've smashed my target for a long time. Why do I need to do this again? Yeah, I did this course seven years ago, you know, and, you know, I know it. I don't use it, but I know it. Um, that Whereas, so you look then at elite athletes, um, they train often, uh, obviously, you know, 95% of the time. They train with enormous intensity. Um, they do a lot of repetition and, and no one's saying, oh, I know how to take, you know, shoot for goal. Like it's, it's constant. So, you know, for example, the All Blacks were often used as a benchmark um, 
what one of their core values is train to win. So when they turn up to train, the mindset is that that is if they're playing and Barcelona do that, they all do the same thing. So there's an enormous intensity. Whereas I'm sure you experience that in training rooms and that in the corporate world, there's a bit of this, you know, holiday hostage, that kind of stuff that doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, the other thing that happens too, though, is, you know, we talk about coaching in the mm-hmm. corporate world and we talk about coaching in the business. And that is one thing that I learned as, as a failure from my end as a salesman in particular was the enormous amount of feedback that athletes are given constantly. So when they train and when they play, we'll talk about that in a minute too, yeah. they are being closely watched yeah. um, and they are giving uh, given um, very specific feedback on what's working, what's not working. And sometimes that's delivered around, you know, getting them to think about it and whatever. But when you think of the corporate world where we could be going out on customer visits and, and those kind of things and, you know, we get one annual review um, and <laughs> you laugh. why are you laughing? Oh, because I actually recorded, uh, was it podcast today or yesterday? Um, I was talking about that in relation to, I guess, the environment that we create where yeah. you'll have your KPIs, you'll sit down and do your performance review document plan. You'll have a conversation at the start of the year. Then it goes in the draw. Yeah. And at the six month or the 12 month mark, we just dust it off. And now let's, let's, yeah, let's see how you performed in the last 12 months. <laughs> and we change the year and the, tar- the goals update them, you know. And, and I remember again as, as a sales manager conducting one of those reviews and, and trying to give some feedback and, uh, and, and saying something like, you know, I think you could do better with this, this and that and that. And, and being asked, oh, have you got any examples? And I didn't have them at the time. Like, I never made that mistake again. But I didn't know, oh, well, you know, it's kind of, you know, you generally do that. And then, of course, in the back of your mind, going, I haven't been on a customer visit with this person for a long time. And actually, probably the last time I did, I took over the meeting, right? Because I had to, <laughs> I, I had, I had to validate why I was there, right? Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't observation and coaching. But it was oh, to add was, value. It was all yeah, about adding value. Trying to close the deal, to justify my role, right? And and so that's all very different. The, the in in the sport world, um, they are given constant feedback. Um, they things are taped. Um, they review them. They preview them. And so that's I think one thing or two things we can get in the corporate world is their attitude and mindset to training. So they train under pressure. Here's another yeah. thing: they train yeah. under pressure for deliberate reasons, right? Yeah. Um, we kind of relax, but then there's that feedback. And I thought, wow, you know, what was I like as a leader? What am I like now in terms of giving specific feedback? I'll give you a classic example was if you sit down as I have with um, coaches at a high level and you said to them, Hey, can we work through the 16 or 25 people in your squad? And and I've done this uh, even recently. And said, let's, can we go through the strengths and development areas for every player? And they are so specific. They are so specific to the point where, you know, I've done this on a spreadsheet and then we, we did other things and sent players letters and, and those kind of things. So they, you know, to remind them, but you know, it wasn't like generic things, you know, like, Oh, 84% of them need to get faster. And, you know, this one here technically needs, needs to do that. This one here, this one here around the mindset, it's yeah. really good at that. And, and I remember the first time I did that, I thought, wow, if, if you asked me to do that in the corporate world with my team, I'd really struggle to specifically say, so if we talk sales again, like Mm. I did use a meeting planner, could I actually say, you know what, um, your frame-up's really good, you're quite well organized, I I think you're, the way, you know, you align the solution 
to the customer need. I think it's poor. You know, we need to do work on that. And this is an example. I couldn't do that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think your business conversations, are, you know, you're still very um, product focused. And here's an example. You know, mm. um, couldn't do that. Right? Mm. Whereas it's you know, oh, you're, you're losing too many deals or your revenues low, right? Yeah. And um, what's so, your plan? What's your plan to close the gap? Yeah, which deals are you going to close, you know? And um, yeah, 100%. What are you going to do? And again, actually, you make a really good point, as you often do. The focus becomes then on on the scoreboard and the That's it. points. That's uh, it. You know, they're not asking, uh, you know, uh, what are you going to do to score three goals this week, right? Yeah. That's not even part. Of it. It's it's drilled down to, you know, now you make a good point. So there, there are a couple of things off the top of my head that, and see, they're not, they're not necessarily innovative. I think maybe they challenge us to manage our they're, time differently. Yeah, but they're fundamental though when you think about it so yeah. to success, right? So yeah. if you think about and just talking about feedback and hey, I can't I can't forget that uh, Melbourne Footy Club Premier's 2021, right? And I remember when they were talking about their preparation and there was a lot of uh, criticism in the media when Melbourne had like two weeks off from the uh, they had two weeks off from the qualifying final into the prelim. And then another two weeks into the grand final. Mm. And the coach was criticized for the team being put through some rigorous match simulation because yeah. the media and others thought, well, you've got a grand final coming up. Isn't there a chance that they could get injured? Mm. But the methodology behind that was we've got to actually keep them uh, fine-tuned and mm. operating under match simulation situations so that when they're in the heat of the battle, they've actually got that muscle memory and they're ready to go, right? And yes, there might have been some injuries, but they had enough uh, enough to cover that. Yeah. The thing about feedback that I want to touch on as well is, and as you were talking about this, it, it just rang so true. In elite sporting organizations, and I'd love you to talk about this, when they've got so much data available to them, so all the players wear GPS, and if you think about it, You've got all the, I guess, the fitness people that know exactly how many minutes Ezio needs to spend on yep. the pitch before he's you know, brought off and do some other things. The feedback is actually instant. And I see people at training or even in a match, coaches and specialist coaches giving direct feedback mm-hmm. in the moment, showing them video. Now, if you translate that into the corporate world, just imagine how, how extraordinary sales teams would be if we were able to translate that methodology into into, into the sales world. Hey, you make a very good point. Um, and the irony is, to that point, it's actually not that hard. Like, traditionally, we would go on co-visits, and, and I joked, but it's true how, you know, the sales manager would take over the meeting. Mm. But ironically, in the last 12, 18 months with Zoom, we actually have that opportunity, right? Because yep. there's nothing stopping us. This is being recorded. Yep. And there's nothing from someone saying, all right, well, now we're going to watch through that recording. And it's, yeah, that question you asked, you know, do you think that was the right question or what else could you have done? Or, yep. you know, what do you think about this response? You know, what, you know, that, that, that's all there. The information, mm. we actually could work with it, but you're exactly hundred percent right. We've, um, we don't have that. And, and yet athletes would never do that. If you think about it in reverse, yeah. you'd never just sit there, play the game and say, okay, Sunday we'll rock out again. And, you know, I didn't like the way Ezio played, so I might drop him. Um, I can't pinpoint what it was, but, you know, and, and whereas, yeah, they are very specific. And um, uh, so that is, yeah, they're definitely things we can learn. And, and to your point uh, about the premiers, the demons, is that right? Uh, it is, <laughs> it's, under, it's, under match, it's under match conditions, right? And that's how that's the it. athletes, they would train because um, that's reality. Mm. That's reality. The team... Uh, 
that won last night, just damage was they had a player sent off after 15 minutes. And so they had to play the whole game with one and less. And, and I know they do train like that sometimes, right? Yeah. For that for that moment. Yeah. But I thought, wow, it's interesting because of all the training they do. Mm. This now this is different. They do they do prepare for that, but this now is real. And then they'll behind. They'll behind. So they have to chase the game. They couldn't just defend the game. Yeah. And um yeah, but in the corporate world, we just you know, we sometimes I feel maybe we go through the motions. Um, but having said that, there are there are some sales leaders out there and some organizations, albeit probably a minority, yeah. that do place the necessary attention on the develop, on the coaching, on the feedback, uh, on the training and the match simulation. Now, you may not necessarily like the term role plays, call it call it simulations, call it real plays, calling it we're going to rehearse for reality or yeah. rehearse for the heat of the moment. But if you look at all elite performers, now you take a um, take a singer, right, or take a band. Yeah. You go to a concert, right? It looks like that band is on song, mm. but that doesn't happen by accident. Yes. And I often look back on my own sales career, and certainly when I was a sales leader, and how many meetings and how many pitches and presentations we went to, where we actually did the rehearsal in front of the live customer. Mm. Sometimes you would have caught lightning in a bottle and would have got lucky. Most times there were certain things that didn't work or yeah. they might have worked in our head, but it didn't work. So I'd love, because I know you're still working in the, in the corporate space with a lot of different organizations and, and certainly teams within Telstra. What's, what's your view on that? And do you, think, do you think the appetite is changing in relation to, um, I guess, translating the elite sporting environment into the corporate to say, you know what, there's actually some science behind this. Yeah, it's interesting. It's funny, as you're saying that, I remember you doing that actually uh, with, I think, the Australia Post team a few years ago. You rehearsed, is that right? Yep. Yeah, and uh, and that worked really well. I remember getting the feedback. Uh, I think it is changing. I think people are realising, um, because I think as they do it, they start, they start customers are, are more precious for time and so we have to make better use of their time and our time. And uh, I think people are realizing now as, as we do the rehearsals and the practice sessions that we can't just wing it, right? Because we, for a long time with salespeople, we're laughing again. There was this thing that, oh, we just wing it. We just get on and we wing it. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing too, I'm finding the other reason why I think it's actually even more important now is certainly with the organizations I'm working with, we're often relying on virtual teams and virtual people. So there's, or, or teams that aren't all, all together. Yeah. And so this idea that we just, you know, five of us will get on a call, magically just do a really good job in front of the customer without having it coordinated is, um, I think is fading away yeah. as we're learning that. So it, it, I think it could be faster, but, um, and, and certainly there are pockets of organisations doing that really well. I think it comes back to uh, the way that we're incentivized and the way that we are, where the focus is. Because one of the things I, um, I talked about today to a few people is the almost like the methodology of the month or the strategy of the day, right? Yeah. Um, driving some consistency in what we do, but getting really really focused on the daily activities, the disciplines that we know that if we continue to do these over time, and it comes back to, yes, the, what you see in the elite sporting environments. If you listen to a lot of the elite coaches now, they very rarely talk about the end result. They'd mm. love to. I mean, the, the aspiration is 
to win the game, to win the championship, to be top of the ladder, to win the premiership, et cetera, right? That's the, and everybody gets that. But when they talk about it, and certainly when you, when you get inside, and I'd be interested in your take being inside the inner sanctum of these clubs, um, what the actual language is that they use, because I think sales leaders can learn a lot from this in terms of let's focus on the daily disciplines and the processes and the results will take care of themselves if we do these on a consistent basis. Yeah, what's, what's your take? Well, the word is what you just used around process, focusing on the they, they actually all have a process. They all yep. have a pro- and And by the way, another lesson is the process often is not actually that complicated. Like yep. for them, they're well drilled, but it's not. And you'll notice, for example, athletes will have things written in their hands or on their arms or on their strapping. And yeah. it's never it's never an essay, right? Or, or one of those, you know, <laughs> powerpoints, you know, with five hundred words. It's often like three words, right? Uh, but you know, it's really interesting that too. I was talking to uh, a lead athlete uh, on Friday night, who he, you know, he got voted um, best midfielder in, in the A League um, last year, and I asked him something similar around what's what puts the team off and those kind of things. And it was interesting. He actually said, "I wasn't quite." He said, "Oh." When certain when players are out of position, it, uh, when they're not following the process, puts enormous pressure because then I need to move somewhere that I, I don't necessarily that I shouldn't be, and and it's like uh, you know like uh, like a, a game of chess, you know. Yep. All of a sudden, then uh, you know she's got to move there, and and he's got to move because the process not being followed. So the the methodology is it's so we're we're in trouble. And he said that that. Uh, the equilibrium in the whole team is gone and we are vulnerable, very vulnerable at that moment in attack and defence. Um, and likewise, again, I know we say that, you know, in sales in particular, we don't like to follow process, <laughs> which is why, you know, it's interesting when I'm running even training courses uh, and someone pointed this out to me a, a while ago, but often I, I find even today the, the best sellers I think seem to have a, maybe an accounting or, or um, engineering background or something where they are quite, you know, somewhat rigid and yet that's the process. That's how the customer buys and, yep. and I'm going to follow this process and we'll stick to this process. Not the let's just wing it, you know. And, and uh, <laughs> I'll do it based on my uh, gravitas and my yes. charisma and we'll just yeah. do it. We'll leverage off the relationship. Leverage, that's right. <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, you're right. And um, so that's it. There's a big focus on on the actual process because they they can control that right yeah. they can yeah. and and with that too by the way just one thing you had is the players having faith in the coaching team um, that that is the process we will follow and and how we will play and and for that game that's what we do everyone whether you you know whatever you're thinking that's what we're doing for that time it's a and, game plan yeah yeah exactly and, and it's, no it's... no one yeah no one goes out and tries to do the opposite during the game right. Well, it begs it begs the question. It's an interesting point you raise because my experience with with working with you know many many sales teams and many leaders is often there's that lack of clarity within a sales team, right? You yeah. might have the company that has a certain strategy, but as it continues to filter down, it, it it tends to lose a little bit of that clarity. And then you've got people who have been in sales forever and a day, and you know this is how I used to do it back in the early two thousand, and it seemed to work there. So why should I need? Why should I change? they're not necessarily buying into the team ethos. Now, when you talk about team games in terms of sport, they all have to buy into the team ethos and the team game plan. Otherwise, they don't get selected, which means they have to have absolute crystal clear clarity on what their role is. And if you listen to a lot of the elite teams, 
they also now talk about the selflessness of their contribution rather it. than the selfishness that yes. might have provided yeah. uh, provided teams, you know, even five, 10 years ago. So it's not about what can I do in terms of the most goals I kick or the most possessions or, you know, the most, um, what they call in, in soccer, the most uh, corners. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> Talking yes. about my soccer expertise. <laughs> it's what's the contribution can I make to the team so that the team wins. Yes. Now, you and I spoke last week about um, some organisations now changing their philosophy around how to measure salespeople and some organizations now moving away from the individual sales target to now a collective team target. Yes. Now I'll be really interested in your, in your thoughts on this in terms of, do you think doing that, taking the, I guess the parallel from what we just talked about in terms of sports teams, how do you think that's going to go with organizations where you do have some stars who Mm. maybe want to get all the accolades and others that perhaps uh, really focus on how can I make that contribution so that the team wins? Well, now you're getting, in my view, into where elite sport is a little bit different, right, mm. to the corporate world. And so the team target, I think, in, in theory, is a great philosophy, um, but I find it doesn't always work in sales because there is a risk that um, some people will loaf and leave it to others and think, well, he's a heavy hitter, she's a heavy hitter, they'll get the number for us. Now, that doesn't work in a team environment because one thing we haven't mentioned in a team environment, um, one, one element of difference is, um, so I, I was uh, sitting down with a coach um, the other day, a lead coach, before, a couple of hours before a game, and we are sitting down having a chat in the foyer of a hotel room, and as we are doing that, a player came and joined us, so he must have messaged him, said, can you come down soon? He said, and as we were there talking, he turned to this player and we all said hello, I know the player. And he explained to him, he's not starting tonight. Really sorry, this, this and this. Now, the, and, and, you know, it was, that's the reality of the business. We don't have that in, in corporate world, right? Yeah. So yeah. if Etio's not pulling his weight in the sales team and thinking, well, I'm going to wait for Sharon and Tony and Darren to pull in the numbers, yeah. um, in, in most sales teams, Etio will still be picked every week, yeah. right? Um, that won't help, that won't work there. That These guys are on very short-term contracts and if you're not pulling your weight, and as you said earlier on, everything is measured. Yeah. So, yes, it's a team target, but if, uh, if Etio's run 1.2K and Darren's run 8.6 and his average heart rate was 172 and Etio was sitting down, at, you know, it's pretty clear and he won't finish the game, right? He's, he's less, so, so that seller might, might not fit. If they're not putting in the effort, right, yeah. if you're not putting yeah. Doesn't mean they're not scoring goals. Um, you know, that's not so yeah, I, I think that concept is good in theory, but can I just go back a little bit? You made another really good point. I think that we can learn from elite athletes. You spoke about role clarity. Mm. Um, and that is something I find in the corporate world at times there. If you ask people, so here's another, if I can say this, another thing that could make you laugh, and that is you ask anyone in the corporate world to look at their job description, right? Yep and say, is that your job, right? And they'd probably not nod their head, right? Say, no, no way. It's no. so outdated. It's not what I do. In, in, in the court, with the corporate athletes, it is very clear um, what your job is, what it's not to do per position. Everyone yeah. is very clear and, and, and that can be measured and whatever. And, and I will say this, though, because I don't want to oversimplify it. In the corporate world, it's a bit harder too, right? We we do lots of different tasks, right? Yep. From selling, we have to do some admin, we have to update the CRM. Um, but I do feel we can do a lot better in providing that clarity 
to say, you know, these are the four or five things that, that you need to do and do really, really well. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that person on your left-hand side, she is accountable for that. Yeah. And, and she knows that. And we all know yeah. that. Uh, whereas we sometimes there's this kind of, you know, we're on the field and we're looking at each other and we're going, oh, you, you feel forward or you're at the back or, <laughs> or does it depend on what, how you feel or, or you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so I do feel we could do better at that um, personally. Um, but yeah, there's definitely good opportunities there to, to leverage it uh, around the role clarity, um, that team concept. I think it can be harnessed. We just have to be very careful. I think what we can't do is just assume because it's a good idea and concept that it will just happen and people will form into a team yeah. and, and and start working together and putting in equal effort yeah. um, because the, the capability is a little bit different too. Yeah, because it also, uh, um, I'll be interested in your take on this as well. It's, it's It has a cultural element as well because if I reflect on corporate organizations, it's very much in many cases a top-down approach, right? Mm-hmm. The targets are set up above and it's probably not dissimilar in terms of the like a board of a sporting organization would have an aspiration of winning championships and bringing in new yeah. sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But um, what I see a lot in corporate and particularly in sales is there's it's it's there's a lot of top down flow of feedback, but not a lot of upward feedback in terms of setting strategy or challenging strategy, challenging status quo, challenging innovation and stuff like that. Um, in order for an elite sporting organization to not only get to the elite level, but also to stay there, yeah. there has to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, there has to be a two-way street in terms of flow of feedback. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, flow of feedback, questioning of things, questioning of plans. And it's interesting, some of the things I encourage players to do. So we do a lot of work around their communication skills too, believe it or not. And uh, I use an example of a, a particular player. Um, so it's a true story. We were watching a game once and I was with a, a uh, young athlete, and um, he said to me, oh, I used to play with that player over there a few years ago. And, you know, he was okay, but I was surprised he's made it to this level. And I said, oh, you know, I know I know that player. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a good player, this, this, and this. And I said to him, um, you know what he does really well? And uh, I said, one thing I've observed, and, and I don't know the sport. And he said, no, I was there. I said, well, and this, this is a true story. I said, I remember one day they are playing in a final. It was a big, and I was in the in the grandstand in in the shed at halftime, yep. and the coach and the assistant coach came in and um, very calm, hit the whiteboard, and we're going to do this this half. We're going to do this this. Here's the feedback for the team. This this is um, this is what we expect the competitor to do. So they the competitor profile is very very you know they spend a lot of time, and bang bang bang, this is the plan next forty five minutes, and. Um, and I said, and there was silence amongst the team. I said, but that player there, he started asking questions. He was asking questions. And I said to them, what do you think it showed? And because I was just watching the body, and I said, what do you think it showed when he was asking questions, right? And, we're talking, and, and so I so saying that he's, he's thinking. Yep. He's thinking. He's going, wait on, but if, if I move there, where does he go? Where does she go? Where do, you know? And also he, was, he wasn't questioning it a bit, but he was saying, is that, you know, what if they do this? You know, what if they do this? And what, 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 what's my role if they, what about who's going to cover me? And, and so there is that questioning and there is the, the thought process. Um, you know, they do a lot to keep those players happy, right? They have to keep that. They, they call them assets. And if you look at clubs, um, I, I did a, a certificate through the Barcelona Innovation Hub, which is the, the, through the Barcelona um, Football Club. And they, they call them assets. And, and that's an interesting point because 
um, not only do they treat them as assets, they develop them as assets because yeah. they, they can sell them and they, they aim to sell them for more money, right? And yeah, so absolutely. they will develop them. They will develop, invest in them. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're very close to you know their thinking process and they encourage them to 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 provide their feedback because it shows their thinking, right? Mm. They are um, they think about and by the way, that is a, a gap that has been found with some athletes where the typical young athlete will get very far in sports because she or he physically and technically is very good. Yep. Um, but the tactical awareness then of being able to read a game, understand the game, and communication, by the way, mm. is proving mm. a challenge at times. Um, on the field, you know, yep. saying, hey, uh, Darren, watch out, they're coming here or Cheryl or whatever. But no, it is. There's a lot of feedback um, uh, up and down. It's, uh, I'll say this too, it's a, it's a much flatter structure. Yeah. Right? A much yep. flatter structure. So yep. um, uh, everyone knows what everyone's thinking. <laughs> but I think there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of parallels that we can draw from that um, in order for us to um, oversee more effective uh, more high-performing, if you think, more elite sales yeah, teams. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, just talking to a number of sales leaders just in the last three or four weeks, the number of people who are relatively new to the sales game who, based on their perceived lack of experience, compared to somebody who might have been in the game for 15 or 20 years, or in some cases, you know, five years, yeah. they almost feel, you know what, who am I to talk? Who am I to talk up? Who am I to challenge mm. this? Because what do I know? Because I haven't earned the right yet because I don't have the runs on the board. What we're trying to create though, and this comes back to culture, is irrespective of where you sit, irrespective of your experience, we want everybody to have a voice. And as a sales leader and translate that to a coach or a director of coaching in an elite sporting team, you want to get feedback, which means you want to have people who are curious, who are prepared to ask the questions. If it's simply to seek more understanding or to get clarity on what, what their role is and how they play a part in the team ethos, you've got to have that. Because I've always said, certainly when I was running sales teams, if I didn't know something, how can I plan for it and how can I do anything with it? Yeah. And tell me uh, after the fact, right? If you're thinking something, for God's sake, tell me. Ask me a yeah. question. And in my role now as a facilitator, and you would, I, no doubt you'd experience this as well, I'm always saying to people, if in doubt, don't think about what to say other than what is the best question I can ask in this particular moment? Yeah, 100%. Because when they're on the field, it's too late, right? If that's they it. haven't worked out then, um, it's too late. And uh, no, no, that's actively encouraged around uh, players sharing their thoughts, um, even sometimes developing the plans themselves. Um, challenging each other on those kind of elements. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a big part of having a say and the, and the communication because, as you said, sometimes there's this feeling, well, she's been a great seller or he's been a great seller for, for 20 years. They'll provide the answers. Um, funny enough, sometimes when we're on the field, there's this level of equality because we have your view on the field can actually be very beneficial to me because I haven't got eyes on the back of my head. That's it. Um, and, and, you know, you're seeing different things, you, yeah, whatever. So... Um, it's a huge factor. They they actually very rely. There's nothing I learned. Very reliant on each other. You know, to call out that someone's coming, for example. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, it, it's you need that. You need that. Which which and, is uh, that selfless act in terms of what what is the con what is the contribution I can make to the team? Now in yeah. AFL, a lot of the coaches now look at running patterns, right? Yeah. Not how many times you actually get the ball, or how many times you're involved in a chain that actually leads to a score. But it's how many times do you present yourself or fill up space that actually means that a defender has to cover you so another player can get access to the ball and therefore score. Yes. So it's all the, like the one percenters. So thinking about that 
is a key thing from a from a sales letter in particular as well. Um, I want to use this then as a bit of a, a segue into into talking about change management. Now, mm. if you think about change, uh, just look at the last twenty months, right? <laughs> if we thought the world in two thousand and nineteen, if we looked forward and think in two thousand and twenty one, we would have had two years effectively of some form of isolation around the world, they would have said, "Mate, you, you're smoking something," yeah. right? But here we are; we've just all lived through it. So everybody's had to deal with some form of change over the last twenty months. Um, if we think about corporate and certainly sales teams. We're continuing to evolve. Right? Now, whether we're going to a, a team-based target or whether we're going to still keep individual targets, there is some form of change. Yeah. Thinking about the work that you do within um, the elite sports environments, how much, how much change happens and how much do the individual players and certainly the coaches have to deal with change and, more importantly, their response to change? I'll be yeah. really interested in your view on that. It's a good question. And, you know, for me... The best way to answer it says so uh, a psych, sports psychologist called Professor Damien Hughes published a book a few years ago on Sir Alex Ferguson. He profiled Sir Alex Ferguson, who was on the top in England for, I think, 20-odd years or something. And, and I use that book as a reference because if you open the index, every chapter has one constant word in it that starts with C and it's change. And he had this big ethos around, you know, what gets you to the top won't keep you at the top. And we had to keep changing because the competitors – they were looking all the time. They were going to be different every year because they were chasing, chasing. So they have a huge amount of change. And, and again, that's why I love working them because they're quite open to new ideas. Um, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll never say no to a new idea. Won't mean they won't use it, but yeah. they'll always consider it. So, you know, we'll message each other and, you know, let's try this. Or with, uh, I saw this, you know, over in England or Germany or, or the US. Um, they change a lot. And, and, uh, even the players, so and a classic example there to your point, it's a good point. So most of them are on short-term contracts, yeah. Right? So they're never in the same club. Um, the average tenure of a coach um, is actually not that long, so they kind of know they have to change because it, it, it's upon them, and so they are always looking to get that extra one. You mentioned one percenters. How can we do this differently? How can we train differently? How can we do this drill differently? Um, so they, you know, they'll change up the training. Um, they'll change up the plans somewhat. Um, the approach will change up the team structures, but they are constantly changing things, trying to improve because they, it, it, because everything gets measured so quickly. They know who the benchmark is, mm. um, but then you know the person, the, the teams at the back, and the, and the athletes, the best are, are often looking for new ideas too. Yeah, um, and so yeah, it, it's to me it was another aha moment working with them and in particular that book i just remember reading everything was around change changes change that change that change that and and being you know concept we use heavily is is being comfortable being uncomfortable yeah yeah and in the way you train in the way you play all those things looking to change um because it's it just happens the game changes quickly but life changes quickly the examples and i go back to the business world um our customers are changing quickly. You know, yeah. we, as we, when we jumped on this call, we're talking about turnover, and that's that's a big rate now in Australia. Turnover of personnel, yeah, um, huge executive sales, whatnot, um, and likewise for them. But they, and they work just going back to the athletes almost week by week. The lineup could change. There are injuries, there are suspensions, and and uh, it's a beautiful thing to say because they just accommodate and they never make excuses for it um, yeah. uh, because they just know it's. It's going to happen, and so they they plan for it. And do you so? Do you think then in that elite environment, 
it's it's almost like an environmental factor that change is a given. So they're they're more open to embracing it versus in a lot of the corporate environments, it's almost like, ah, oh, we've always done it this way. So why do we need to change? And and so there seems to be a lot more resistance. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think in the corporate world, there, there is that view that you know this is how we've done it, or this is what we think works, and this is how we're set up to do it. Um, whereas again, flatter structure, right, with the sports teams, um, they'll try things, um, and and they will give it a go. I think they're just inclined to give it a go. They they, you know, even on the field, they'll they'll, they'll have a couple of risk takers, right? Yeah. They'll encourage people. And the other thing too, though, on that, we're getting to another interesting point. And, and we do a lot of work around the fear of failure, right? And just trying things, try things differently. Don't fear failure. Uh, it will happen. We'll miss shots. Yep. Um, that won't always work. Um, but we'll do it again and we'll try it differently and that's okay, you know? Yeah. Because um, so the, then the feedback is, okay, what worked, what didn't work? How do you do something differently next time? But we want you to keep having a crack, right? That's right. That's right. And we'll try it again. And by the way, we'll work on a training. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, if they're doing it under match-like simulation sort of circumstances, it means the muscle memory starts to develop even further. So chances are when they find themselves in another situation in a game day, yep. chances are they won't repeat the same mistake. That's right. That's right. So they, they train for it. They plan for it. Um, and, and I said, it, it, it's, it's encouraged, right? But it's not just a case of, oh, it didn't work and that's it. That's no, exactly your point. We'll, we'll work on that. Um, they'll have set plays that work on this. Um, they'll try a lot of different things. It's interesting. I often ask clients, uh, sales leaders, that you know, what's what's the biggest mistake you've made this week? And it's it's funny. They often look at me. You know how a dog sometimes doesn't yeah. quite understand what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. They tilt their head yeah. sideways. Like, what? What? Yeah. They think what's a, that's a really weird question. But you think about it, right? If you're not making mistakes, and I'm not saying go out and purposefully make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But we've got to try new things. We've got to be innovative. We've got to be able to break new ground, which means we have to try things we've never tried before, which means you're going to make mistakes. Yes. And if you go and do that, you're continuing to learn and develop. Well, Ben, that leads me to another point. Uh, we often say in elite sport that, you know, whether it's football, I imagine AFL is the same. To some extent, we, we, we strive for perfection, but they are games of imperfection. Uh, we, know, right. we know, right, we are all going to make mistakes. Someone's yes. going to lose the ball, passes will be intercepted, goals will be missed. And so, so there's this strive for perfection. But on one hand, by the way, perfection can be somewhat of a curse um, because we know we'll make mistakes. Um, but there's this curse of, okay, we'll, we'll give it a go. And maybe we're not trying hard enough because we're, mm. we're not making the mistakes. The other thing to the point is, and again, ironically, and you make another good point, This often defences are so well drilled that to get through them, um, you need something different, yep. right? And, and, and because you know they 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 can read plays, they study us, we study them, so they often need this kind of view of okay, we've we got to try something different, yep. right? Something that they haven't trained for or they're not expecting. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big point. Uh, it's encouraged. So we again we do a lot around fear of failure, um, being uncomfortable, um, and and getting outside that that comfort zone, you know, mm. and and really the the whole training process. And that's probably, you know, you got you got this level of comfort, then you've got a level of anxiety. Fine, we don't want people there, you know, with that learning zone, that height is right. And that's where the training is. It's in that zone. It's intense, right? It's yeah, absolutely. Fine. 
um, you know, and then the one sitting there, you know, sipping a coffee, you know, <laughs> or you know, or, or doing emails, right? That's exactly right. So we don't, again, we don't want to be doing the um, the big pitch for a multi-million dollar deal. Yeah. We don't want to be rehearsing in front of the live customer. We want to do that in a learning zone where you can actually get the feedback and get and see what works and what doesn't work which which is just it's just a phenomenal thing so hey as we as we wrap up um love to love to get from you is there a key out of all the work you've done with uh elite sporting teams but also your work in in the corporate world um now this might be a big question and if it is then don't answer it just tell me to bugger off right (laughs) if there's if there's if you because there's be there'll be people all around the world listening to this right now right um, and they might be a new sales leader. They might be a sales leader that's been in the game for a little while and just looking for that extra edge to take their performance and their team's performance to the next level. If there was one piece of advice you'd get, you'd give them today based on your knowledge and based on what's happened in the last 20 months to help them become even better and become help them to get to the exceptional level, what would that be? Planning. Because no, no, no elite coach will ever send the team out without a plan, never, ever, no way, you know, it's suicide. And that whole planning process where they, they then, they, 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 they break it down to small goals, you know, the smart goals, uh, whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. I love that quote. I think you used to use it about, you know, it's, it's not the plan. It's, it's the planning process. They'll have a plan. They'll break it down time um, set goals uh, around simple, clear, specific. Everyone knows what they're heading for. The other point I would put around that, though, that I think we miss sometimes in the corporate world is that mindset element, right? Mm. They um, they do a lot of work of visualisation. We do a lot of work on, on self-belief, uh, confidence. So then when we rock up to a customer, we, we are coming across, we are communicating effectively. So for me, it's those two things, having the right mindset and um, but having that plan, having a plan both for the sales team, for each individual around their personal development plan, what are their gaps, what's the SWOT analysis, and and everyone having a path that can then be measured. But I yeah. I, I just always look at sport, and I think no one will send their team out this weekend, whether yeah. it's the Australian netball team um, uh, or the Australian cricket team. They they will have a have a plan. And I think that gives that a little of confidence, right? To the team yeah, it does. direction. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Team, there it is. Pockets of gold from the great man. And I've, I've referred to Ezio as being a great man for many, many years. And, and you, when, mate, when you and I get on the phone, it's almost like, Hey, great man. Hey, great man. It's, <laughs> it's phenomenal. But Hey, I much greatly appreciate you jumping on. You are a great man. You've got a wealth of experience and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you now for people who are listening because there are people all around the world that listen to the podcast um if people want to know a little bit more about the great man right where do they where's the best place to connect with you flick me an email ezio etio at performingteams.com.au performing teams one word ezio um so yeah happy to learn but uh mate i've worked for you for a long time so i know that uh not only are you a great man, but you practice what you preach. And uh, as I said, I gave that Australia Post as an example, and that, and that we didn't plan that. Uh, but I just remember that was a very advanced account team on a very complicated account. And I remember what happened when you took them through that drill and the role plays and the improvement. And uh, no, always a pleasure. You're a good man, great man to, re- to reconnect. Mate, always a pleasure to, uh, to speak with you. And um, again, thanks for jumping on the podcast. You're a good man. Got you, mate. Talk soon. See you, Darren. Bye, mate.
Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.